0: Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast by two moms who write about autism and who also happen to be Star Trek fans. We talk about the new series, compare it with previous versions of Star Trek, and also talk about any autism examples we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth. I am Vicki. Together, we are Moms Going Boldly. After a mid-season cliffhanger that left us wondering where the USS Discovery had landed, today we discuss the episode Despite Yourself, in which we learn exactly where the Discovery has gone, a place that is unfamiliar to the crew, and very familiar to Star Trek fans. Today, we are talking about the first season, second half opener, Despite Yourself. What'd you think? Uh, It kind of left me a little stunned.
1: Yeah. As for season openers, that was pretty good. I mean, it was disturbing, but it was...
0: It was in every way unexpected. Right. Right. So we start off the story, it was a cliffhanger from the last episode of the first half of the season, Into the Forest I Go. When we left, we were hoping to get some resolution to some questions of the storylines. We had just appeared in some place that the ship had not intended to be. They had engaged the spore drive, intending to go back to Starbase, and instead they emerged into a, a debris field and were unable to identify their position. And it was a navigational error that we know that was potentially caused by Captain Lorica because he did a command override of the navigation and set the, the ship to go s- to an unlo- unknown location. Or it could have been an error caused by Lieutenant Stamets' injury navigating the spore drive because when he completed the jump, he emerged from the booth delirious. He was hard to understand. His eyes had changed color, looking sort of milky, and he was clearly not well. So we open up this episode with the big question of where are they? And I don't know about you, but I noticed this time around when they panned through the debris field, it was more clearly Federation-type debris. Did you see that, too? Um, some of it, yeah,
1: yeah. I thought in the last episode, somebody mentioned it was Klingon. Somebody mentioned it looked like Klingon debris.
0: So they're in this debris field, and they're realizing that they are at the exact coordinates they're supposed to be, But the star base is not there. And then shortly after that, Saru figures out that, or is it Michael Burnham? One of the two of them figures out that the quantum resonance of the debris is not the same quantum resonance that of their own universe so they realize that they're in a parallel universe. There is a scene in Captain Lorca's ready room where we hear the tribble, so mm-hmm. we know the tribble's still there, which then, you know, completely erases the Captain Lorca is a Klingon spy theory, which is good cuz that was like a theory that got wrapped up very nicely for us right there. Yeah. And he is talking with Michael Burnham and Saru about the possibility of using the spore drive to trans them to other universes parallel universes and Saru makes a point that this was you know awfully coincidental Mm -hmm. and then Captain Lorca sort of shuts it down and in order to figure out oh and was that before or after they were attacked by the Vulcan ship Um, I think it was before because then he got called out because the ship was approaching yeah oh yeah you're right you're right yeah. So a Vulcan ship is approaching and they're thinking, oh, thank goodness, somebody we know who can help us and maybe solve this problem. But oh no, the Vulcan ship identifies them as a Federation ship and starts firing on them. And they are rescued by another Federation ship, the Cooper and so then they realize that this alternate universe is very different than their own. So they need more information, and they send Ash Tyler out in a worker bee, which is a really cool piece of technology. I really like it. Yeah. They send him out in a worker bee to go retrieve a data node, or am I using the wrong term? Am I still? I'm thinking about Borg stuff. Oh,
1: uh, what was it?
0: To get a data recorder.
1: It was a data something, but it, was, it wasn't. I don't think it was node, but close enough. People close enough. It. Yeah.
0: So to get a data recorder, data module... From a Klingon ship that is in the debris, and so he goes over there to do it. But as he's trying to extract this, he's having more flashbacks of his torture at the hands of Lorel, and he's having a hard time focusing. And Michael Burnham has to cover for him. Eventually, he succeeds in getting the data module out, and Captain Lorca kind of reprimands Michael Burnham for not paying attention on the bridge or for bringing her personal feelings on the bridge. And I was a little confused by that because I didn't think what she did was that overtly no, I, personal i i have
1: thoughts about that
0: oh i want to hear your thoughts
1: i and this might be out of left field but i don't th- i think he obviously knows that there's something wrong with ash but to admit that out loud would be mean he would have to take him offline take him out of you know play out of the war it's his way of telling he had she has to not only try to keep ash under control but keep her emotions under control because he could see she was getting upset, prude not know she's upset about Ash because then they will realize something's wrong.
0: Right. Being
1: the most unprofessional captain we've ever seen, he's certainly <laughs> not. He's certainly not reprimanding her about not being professional or having a relationship with Ash.
0: What's really interesting to me, though, is that he has no problem in calling out other people on the bridge for failure to do what he thinks they should do in front of everyone. But this particular piece of information he chose to keep sort of on the down low, little sidebar conversation between the two of them about her behavior. Whereas before, you know, was it the was it the guy that was supposed to be shooting firing phasers that he was like shouting at in the middle of the bridge in front of everybody?
1: Yes. I think he he knows there's a problem with Ash.
0: So you're right. There's a lot of subtext in his choices to do that.
1: That's what I think anyway. She's going to have to be responsible for keeping Ash under control and also not to let on to the rest of the crew that there's a problem with Ash by getting emotional on the bridge.
0: Yeah. So they get this data module and they go into it and they discover that this is the universe of the Terran Empire. This is the ISS Discovery Universe. This is the universe that we got to see in the original series episode, Mirror, Mirror. And then again, in the Deep Space Nine, there were multiple episodes on Deep Space Nine where they went across into the mirror universe. And the Enterprise episode of Through a Mirror Darkly, which is actually one of the better Enterprise episodes. Yes. They identify who they all are and what their responsibilities are just in time because I guess the Cooper comes back. And is trying to figure out why Discovery is why? still there and do they need any help. And Captain Lorca is about ready to respond when Michael Burnham explains, you're not the captain. And did
1: you know, I knew it was Tilly as soon as she said that. I did
0: too. <laughs> and, yeah. we, and because that's, that's what Stamets was seeing when he was exactly. crossing universes and crossing space and time boundaries that he was on the, with the spore drive. So yeah. that's, But it was still a great scene. Even though I knew her. it was coming, it was awesome. And it it's of course what we wanna see. We wanna see Cadet Tilly way outside of her comfort zone and yeah. doing a great job with it. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, she
1: was that was great. The whole thing with her was great.
0: It was. It really was. From the ad living oh, yeah. at the very moment when she learns that she has to play this role to her processing her feelings about how this person is in this universe and how it's the complete antithesis of who she is and how painful that is for her. It's wonderful. I know.
1: Hold your horses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was charming. It was really charming. In an otherwise incredibly dark episode, it was, you know, these little pops of light. So they determine that Captain Lorca and Michael Burnham in this universe are not there. And they're both presumed dead or missing. Which Captain Lorca recognizes gives them some freedom and some flexibility to be able to get information that they need. And the information that they need is they have discovered that the USS Defiant, which is the ship that crossed over into the Mirror Universe in the original series episode, the Tholian Web. That was always one of my favorites. Right. And then that was the ship that was the center of the storyline in the Enterprise episode, Through the Mirror Darkly. And so it's an advanced level ship. It's a constellation class ship that their theory is is that they can find it and learn more about it they can use whatever means that brought it to the mirror universe to get it back which of course is not going to work because that required the folding of space by the Folian web Captain Lorca is having this conversation with Michael Burnham about what they can do in order to try to get home to their universe and he steps up to the window I've decided that whenever Captain Lorca steps up to the window and looks out while he's talking to somebody he's in full manipulation mode oh yeah He's heading into manipulation mode. How is he going to talk her into this? Do you think that she believed him? Do you think she fell for it? It's
1: hard to say with her. I don't think she fell for it 100%. She realizes, well, we don't know really what he's up to either, but this is the full extent. You know, just the fact that he, she wanted to go examine the spore drive record. And he said, no, no, it's my fault. I pushed him too hard. Bay, when he went in, and he said, "Oh, this is all my fault." It's like
0: he's he's taking all the blame, not in the right way. He's redirecting, so
1: nobody's going to go look.
0: He's giving them an easy answer, so they won't go find the true right. answer. So they won't go
1: look for the truth, right? Yeah. I know that she believes him 100%, but I don't know that she has much of a choice.
0: I think point. that's exactly it. Her Her analysis is that this is the only logical course of action. They have to play along in this universe, and they have to find the the information they need about the Defiant so that they can try to get back, because that's going to be their primary goal. That's the thing that they absolutely have to do. One of the cool things is is that Captain Lorca orders everyone on the ship to get dressed up like they're part of the Terran Empire, which I thought was a lot of fun. It was. It was really cool. You know, if we're going to play this role, let's play it right. Do the cosplay. Right. Meanwhile, Ash Tyler is really experiencing some disturbances. He goes to Laurel and wants to know what she has done to him. And she starts reciting a Klingon prayer. And he starts reciting it back in Vox voice. Right. In a Klingon voice, anyway. It but. was Vok. <laughs> i'm sure it was i would bet anything
1: so so would i yes
0: then she's confused because even after reciting the klingon prayer which i guess is the, the 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 password to breaking through the sleeper identity it's not working and he is still the human ash tyler and he is still Under the impression that he's experienced torture and he's experiencing trauma because of it. And he's very disturbed by it. And And Laurel is very perplexed because this is not working.
1: Right. And like I said, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was the last episode or the last podcast. When he was, I, I said, when he was triggered, he would probably have divided loyalty. Yep. And I think that his loyalties now lean him in Starfleet.
0: Or maybe it's something even simpler than that. Maybe the trigger is being blocked by his emotional attachment to Michael Burnham.
1: Michael Burnham, yeah.
0: And if the trigger is being blocked by Michael Burnham, what does Laurel need to do? Right. She needs to kill her to make that emotional attachment go away. Yeah. So that that could be a very suspenseful... <laughs> train of events ash tyler goes to see the doctor to find out if there's something more wrong with him than just his torture with the klingons and after extensive review the doctor determines that he has undergone almost a complete change in his body right they have changed so much to his body that You know, he's very confused by it, and it's almost as if he's a different person than he was.
1: Right, but the way he was acting, it was almost like he knew it, but he didn't want to hear it. Yes. And it was almost like he knew it, and he didn't want to hear it, and he was hoping by going to the doctor he wouldn't.
0: But the doctor had no idea. There was no sign of suspicion or concern that he was a sleeper Klingon agent. That was not even, there was nothing in his facial expression his body language his tone of voice nothing that indicated that he was anything but just concerned for his human patient right and actually he even said cuz they
1: did you hear i don't know if you heard it but um they test for that yes they test for the
0: manchurian test it, the
1: manchurian test yeah i yeah. thought
0: that was awesome what a great name
1: <laughs> yeah so he yeah he had no idea
0: but so, which makes it All the more horrible and awful that when he told Ash that he was going to take him off the line, he was going to have to relieve him of duty so that he could find out more about what was going on with him, that Ash grabbed him and snapped his head, breaking his neck, assumably killing him in a fast, dramatic, horrible moment. Shocking, yeah.
1: Unexpected, yeah.
0: Completely unexpected. I mean
1: though I said I kept saying to myself he shouldn't be alone in the sick bay with this man while he's telling him this
0: and I think it's going to be There's even so worse there. than that because you right, remember still... earlier when Stamets was trying to communicate while Tilly was there and he shoved Dr. Culber across the room now it's going to look like Stamets did it oh that's right I didn't even think of that yeah the one thing I thought when that happened was not only oh god no don't kill this wonderful character was there is no redemption now for Ash Tyler. That's right
1: But he does it, he doesn't remember when he
0: Yep, you're right. It's almost yeah, like the Klingon know. the Klingon inside took over for that moment. Right. But I think he knows emotionally, he knows something bad happened. Yeah. Just the complexity of the whole storyline exploded at that moment, as well as the sadness that took me some time to recover from. Meantime, Michael Burnham and Captain Lorca are preparing to meet with the Shenzhou, who they have contacted to let know that their captain, Michael Burnham, is actually still alive and she's captured the traitor Lorca. Because one of the things they determined is that she was the captain of the Shenzhou. She discovered that Lorca was... She was the one that when she discovered that Lorca was going to try to kill the emperor and yeah. ma- place himself in, on the throne. And so she went after him and she was presumably killed and Lorca was presumably lost. So we're saying he probably doesn't have good intentions. Uh, I th- I just realized why <laughs> Lorca wanted to bring Michael Burnham to this place. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they call the Shenzhou, the Shenzhou comes to collect them, and she's in full, you know, ISS captain mode, and best scene ever is when they contact the Shenzhou, and the Shenzhou's like, well, why don't you come to us? And Captain (laughs) Tilly just... Takes this guy down, who was, I guess, the, the con officer on the Shenzhou, who was killed in the Battle of the Binary Stars. Very nice young man, but he's not nice here. He
1: was the one who was blown out
0: of the... Yeah. Well, yeah, he came to talk to her in the prison, because he was upset, because we're not supposed to be at war, and then they were hit, and there was a whole Which breach. I think and...
1: hilarious. I hope they keep bringing him back, and I... I... <laughs> I think they're gonna keep visiting different parallel universes. I so, guess. Hope to bring him back and kill them in every u- universe. You mean this like you mean time.
0: like quantum leap with the starship discovery? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> then because and you know and Michael Burnham actually has these strong feelings when she sees him because she saw him die. Right. And now she sees him alive, and he's a bit of a not nice person, starting with a D. And and then he gets taken down by Tilly, which is a great scene. It was, yeah. And then the Shenzhou comes to collect them. She beans over, and they say, okay, well, we're going to take you know this traitor to the torture chamber. And they take him in there, and they're going to put him in an agony booth. And she's like, you're not going to do that, because I don't want him injured. I need him in full capacity when I present him to the Emperor and collect my reward. And they're like, oh, no, no, don't worry. We'll put him in the agony booth, but we'll not make him suffer that much. So she has no choice but to go to the bridge. She goes to the bridge with the former tactical officer, and he tries to attack her in the turbo lift. And that's a great fight scene. It is. And, it was, yeah. Which makes it all the more sort of poignant and painful when she kills him. She yeah. watches him die again because she wins the battle, knifes him, and, and there he is dead again in front of her eyes. Obviously very disturbing for her. However when the turbo lift opens and his body falls onto the bridge the rest of the bridge crew start clapping apparently he was yeah. a lousy captain <laughs> either that or they are well trained to respond yeah. positively to the next alpha dog in line so she takes her position as captain on the ship and she is trying to figure out how to get the information she needs on the defiant and she you know has to take all the currying of favor and listen to all the people so that she's playing the role well and she doesn't get a chance to do that. And By the time she makes it back to her quarters, Ash Tyler is there waiting for her and there's a lovely emotional scene between the two of them talking about how they're going to support each other. And right
1: there even showed me more that he suspects who he is, or suspects that he's not I,
0: I thought it was rather telling that he was saying to her, I'm going to protect you no matter what, while looking like he was in such dire need of protection himself.
1: Right, but he kept saying no matter what, no matter what we turn into. So I think, I don't know, I, I yeah. do believe that he suspects what happened to him
0: yes i think you're exactly correct and then we finish up the show with the very last scene is captain lorca in an agony booth screaming and it's very disturbing right because
1: this one just continues the one on uh Mirror darkly it would just be a jolt and then it would stop
0: i guess they improve their technology
1: Captain lorca as much as i don't think he's a nice person he he just makes me laugh <laughs> there, It's just little things like, if, if you remember way back when, when uh, Stamets was happy Stamets? Yes. Captain, he just looks at you. <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything. He just looks at him like, what is going on? But he never asks and he doesn't say anything. And he did the same thing with Tilly when she was um, doing the hold your horses thing. He just kind of looks at you like, what is happening? <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything. And it just makes me laugh, the looks he gives people. And then, of course, the Scottish accent.
0: That was
1: delightful. That was funny.
0: A nice throwback to our Scotty.
1: Yeah. So there are, and and it's just funny that he was the one that lightened, other than Tilly, obviously. But he was the one who lightened the moments for me, just by the looks he was giving people. And, you know, he was their captain for once. I mean, he really seemed like he had himself, his act together, and he knew what he had to do. This is probably where he's from. But from the outside looking in, knowing that he was probably responsible for getting him there... He was the one getting, making all the plans, holding everything together.
0: So what we have here is we have our Discovery crew in the Mirror Universe. We have the Mirror Universe Discovery presumably in our universe. Right. Because they think that the transfer happened simultaneously.
1: I wonder if they'll do that or if they're just going to stick with this.
0: That's a really good question. And that would be fascinating to see, you know, the, the, the bad Discovery people trying to function in the good Federation universe. But you know when when they did that in the original series episode Mirror Mirror we actually spent very little time with the bad copies in our universe we ha- we only saw i think one scene of them being dragged to the brig <laughs> Right. And that was it. And then Spock later says to Captain Kirk that, you know, it was much easier for Captain Kirk to become a bad guy than it was for the bad guys to play nice. Right, which Which is what makes it really, I think, going to be fascinating if Captain Lorca, the Captain Lorca we know, is the actual mirror universe Captain Lorca because he figured out how to play nice, being the bad guy. Right. Or more or less nice, with slight slips, such as trying to, nearly taking the Admiral's head off with a phaser. Well,
1: we have Stamets, so I have to imagine eventually they're going to...
0: Stamets may be the key to getting them back.
1: Right, but he's, he keeps telling them not to go into the palace, not to go into the palace.
0: You mean like the Emperor's palace? Well, that's the only thing I could think of. That's a good thought.
1: So then I was thinking,
0: who would the Emperor be? And oh, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh,
1: while I was watching it the first time, because we heard nothing about Captain Giorgio, you know, the whole time. Right. So I was wondering if she was the Emperor. And the only reason I'm not, I still think maybe she is, but the only reason I'm hesitant um, in a mirror darkly when came emperor yeah she called herself the empress
0: yeah so we had hoshi sato at the end of that episode right. essentially proclaiming herself empress but it doesn't mean you know
1: right it doesn't mean that that's what everybody would do
0: what about admiral cornwell she'd make a great empress I thought of
1: that too yeah because i couldn't think of anybody else that we haven't seen Heard
0: about? well what about the and i don't remember his name but the admiral in the battle of the binary stars who essentially uh blew his ship up so he could take out the Klingon, the cloaked klingon ship and we really right so we didn't see him but let's see who else could it be who else do we know about that this is 10 years before the original series so it could be you know it could be garth of izar it could be oh right it could
1: be somebody that's not. yeah it
0: could be somebody like that could be captain robert april there's a whole, any number of really great characters from the original series that have a backstory that could be a, you know, Commander Decker from the Doomsday Machine. He was a great character. So there's, there's a number of folks yeah. that they could put it pull in who would have been alive 10 years earlier than the time frame of the original series. My
1: first thought through the whole show was Giorgio.
0: And that was actually my first thought as well. Because then you get an opportunity to bring back Michelle Yeoh, which is always right. fantastic. Which would kind of make sense
1: to me cast her for two episodes
0: so we've got we've got the mirror universe uh we think we have the mirror universe Lorca we've got everyone else is from our universe on this discovery we think Stamets who I think is between universes in a way you know his physical body is in the mirror universe but I think his mind is all over the place I think his mind is in the mycelium network which is why I think he's the key to getting back home
1: right Then uh, the other concern of mine was, you know, the way, although Tilly' character, she, the way she just came out with that line, like (laughs) out of the clear blue sky, I'm worried that she's going to adjust to being this person. I'm acting bad. Eventually,
0: yeah, she. How much of this character is going to become, you know, part of her own personality? Adjusted very quickly. And then, because we know that, you know, the Federation is or excuse me, the Terran Empire is all about the Terrans and no one else, this means that Vok and Lorel in this universe are good guys. There's all kinds of places these stories can go. And so that would, that would actually,
1: yes, it would, because Klingons are they're with the Vulcans and the...
0: And the, te- the Tellarites okay. and the Andorians and all of the non-human yeah. species that are, have banded together against this common enemy. It was an interesting episode. A lot darker tone than any episode of Star Trek, I think, that we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, but a lot went on, and I was, answers 100%, you, you know, we didn't really get any answers, although sort of did. I think we sort did. Sort of implied. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> the next episode is entitled The Wolf Inside, and what did you think of the trailer for that one? I watched it desperate for something that was going to lift my spirits.
1: Yeah, by the title, and that's Bach.
0: Or Tilly, if your concerns about Tilly are correct. I
1: am, I am concerned about Tilly.
0: My concerns about Stamets being blamed for Dr. Kolber's death. There were only two witnesses to the murder Tyler right. and but, Stamets. And Stamets is. Was the shield down at the time? Yeah, I don't think it was. Even so, uh, you know, Tilly can, tell, can say the last time we were in there, Stamets threw Dr. Kolber across the room that's going to add to the tragedy of it right because if he survives if he comes out of this he'll never
1: he'll never survive that king that he killed him
0: yeah yuck so next time we'll talk about the wolf inside and hopefully have more resolutions to some of the threads but one of the things that is really consistent in this show is for every thread that's resolved there's like three more that are right, opened up And open up <laughs> yep. oh. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find me at autismmom.com. That's autism-mom.com. You
1: can find me at takingstep.com.
0: And we hope that you will join us for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly. Music used on Moms Going Boldly is entitled Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. It is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. And please follow Ross Bugden on Twitter, at Ross Bugden.